You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be breaking down another week of golf action for you as we have the Mexico Open this week. So a new tournament on the PGA Tour schedule. Of course, we had the uh, team event last week, uh, the Zurich Classic. Uh, Noto and I decided to go a little bit lighter last week. Didn't do a whole lot in terms of lineups with the uh, unpredictable nature of that event, but uh, still interesting to see how it all plays out. And of course, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, uh, who we were high on, and uh, I actually put them in my scores and odds uh, picks last week. So that was a nice W, even though it wasn't a long shot winner by any means, uh, still a W for them. And uh, we were both on them as our top pairing last week. So hopefully uh, some of you guys out there uh, and gals won some money last week with uh, Cantlay and Shoffley winning the tournament. And uh, we had another tournament marked by a controversial drop. Seems like that's a weekly thing these days. And uh, Billy Horschel was involved this time. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, maybe it's just this age of uh, media. But uh, in any case, we'll take a quick look back at that tournament and then uh, and then get you prepared here for the Mexico Open. I am Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. I've got Derek Farnsworth, a.k.a. Notorious, alongside me. Uh, Noto, how's it going? Yeah, it's going good. Uh, didn't have too much you know, invested in the last week's tournament, kind of like you. Took a light. Only made one lineup, but it ended up uh, sneaking through the cash line. So um, pretty good week. And, uh, yeah, nice hit on the Xander. Can't lay out right. Uh, we think about golf odds, you know, as 8-1 to one as being terrible. But, I mean, 8-1 to one in any other sport is, you know, like the biggest underdog you can find. So, uh, really nice pick. Uh, I haven't hit now right for what feels like years, so uh, I could definitely use one of those this week. All right. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it would be nice to hit a, a longer one, but uh, we'll see if Rom wins at like three to one this week. I guess we're not uh, we're we're not going to get uh, a long shot, but uh, we'll see. Any other takeaways from uh, from last week for you? I think we got to talk about Xander a little bit. So now he's won the. Uh, tournament of champions, the tour championship, the Olympics. He won a WGC event in uh, China, and then he won, you know, one stroke play event. I think it was the Greenbrier. So, I mean, this guy just continues to win like small fields, limited fields, um, strange events. Does this uh, change how you feel about him? You know, as a player, as a winner, it was his first win in over a thousand days. I, I read so. <laughs> 
maybe uh, this can get him going a little bit, but it's just strange that, you know, these wild events, he seems to play his best. Yeah, I don't know. It's strange. Um, you know, I think a lot of people will discount this event being a team event, but uh, I don't know. A win's a win. And I mean, they looked uh, they looked pretty dominant and uh, hard to beat. I mean, they would have been hard to beat, hard to beat individually uh, as well. So, you know, I think we got to give them some credit and both of them and not uh, not discount any of it. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we can take anything away from it just because it was a, you know, an easier course and a team event. Yeah, I've always been a Xander guy. I just wish he would, you know, win uh, win one of these uh, bigger events. But other story I had marked down, uh, Jay Haas and Bill Haas. You know, Jay became the oldest guy ever to make a cut on the PGA Tour. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and they, I mean, they faded on the weekend, obviously. But uh, it was pretty cool to see them make the cut. And obviously, you just had to keep making birdies there in the uh, the four ball rounds to uh, – you know, to, to stay in contention and they fell a little short on the weekend, but that was really cool. I mean, it's not like Bill Haas has been lighting the world on fire either. Um, you know, over the last couple of years. So, uh, it was nice to see and you know, nice to see some guys. Obviously the tournament is very important for a lot of guys who have fringe status or close to the playoffs. And, uh, it, that can be a difference maker for, for some. And we talked about it on the show last week. So, uh, anything else? Uh, obviously, we didn't have any huge DFS sweats. Not playing, not playing very much. But uh, still really, a uh, little bum this Sungjae and uh, Benny on didn't get it done. I uh, can't wait to see Benny on back on the tour. I think he's uh, pretty much locked up his card to the Corn Ferry Tour already. So uh, we'll see him in the swing season. But uh, maybe he'll get a sponsor's exemption in one of these two events or one of these events coming up. Yeah, I read uh, my uh, hometown tournament, the uh, John Deere Classic, has given a sponsor's exemption to Patrick Flavin, who has Monday qualified for, I think, three tournaments already this year. So uh, some of those stories of guys getting sponsor invites and, you know, using it to parlay it into some success uh, is pretty cool to see. So uh, that is probably good for just a quick look back at last week. We'll go ahead and get ready to move along to this week, which is the Mexico Open. If you want to chat with us during the show, you can get in the free Roto-Grinders Discord, rotogrinders.com backslash Discord, and you can get in the live stream chat channel, which is a free channel. So you can either go to the Roto-Grinders homepage and find the Discord through there or just go directly to rotogrinders.com backslash Discord and find the live stream chat channel. So... Uh, all right, Mexico Open, new course, new tournament uh, in Mexico, which I believe generally no shot tracker for these events. I don't think. I think well, they, they had it. The... They had it at the WGC event um, at Chapultepec back in the day, but they haven't had it for the you know uh, the El Camelion one, Mayakoba. So I would guess no, but um, I think typically they said they only have you know one set of trucks and of, of you know of equipment. So. Maybe they will, um, with this being the only event this week. Yeah, we'll find out. To be determined uh, how much uh, we can uh, sweat the golfers this week. But uh, what have you been able to uncover as far as the uh, the new venue we've got this week? Yeah, so uh, it is Vedante Nuevo Vallarta. Um, if I say that wrong, I, I apologize. Um, but it's a par 71, measures over 7,400 yards. Greg Norman did design it. Uh, features past palm grass uh, throughout the course um, on the fairways, the rough, and the greens. 
And uh, it's kind of a cool way to get to the course. Uh, there's no houses or buildings, you know, around the course. You have to take a little suspension bridge uh, to get to the course. So uh, I think that'll be pretty cool. Um, should be a fun course to watch on TV, especially with it being new. Uh, plenty of water in play. Um, the, it's right along a river, and then there's some lakes in play as well. A um, couple of island-ish greens. But uh, this is a resort course, and uh, from the talk that we've heard so far, the fairways do seem pretty wide. So uh, with it being a longer course and with the fairways being wide, on paper it makes sense that the longer hitters would have the advantage here, but uh, we really don't know. Um, I'm not going to you know, force myself to target one type of golfer without you know, really knowing how the course is going to play, and we're probably not even going to know if they don't have shot link data you know, after this year you know, what it's going to play like. We're just going to have – uh, to trust our guy with who finishes towards the top of the leaderboard. Um, in terms of comp courses, I'm fine looking at, at any of the, you know, past column courses. Um, I've seen some people uh, say Sanderson Farms is a good comp, um, similar yardage, similar um, setup in terms of the layout. And then the only other note, there are five par threes and four par fives. So um, it is going to play long, but uh, I think the wind is going to be the only defense of the course is what it sounds like. And, I haven't checked the weather report yet, but generally that means we can expect uh, a lot of birdies. Yeah, I think it, you know, it could be kind of up in the air as far as how it's going to play. There is a lot of water and there is a lot of sand on the course. So if it does get windy, uh, potentially you could see maybe quite a few birdies and some low scoring, but also some big numbers uh, for guys that get in trouble. So uh, I don't know, it'd be really interesting to see that dynamic at play. Uh, for now, from what I can see, seems like kind of moderate winds, but, uh, hard to say. I mean, not knowing how impactful the wind is there, obviously, uh, whether a 50 mile an hour wind is, you know, a big issue or, or not, um, in, in Mexico, you know, this time of year and, and depending on it, of course it's pretty open. So, um, I, I'd imagine that it'll have a fairly decent impact, but keep a close eye on that as tea times get closer on Thursday. Um, Anything else as far as the general? I mean, with with five, it's a, a par 71 with four par fives and five par threes and only nine par fours. So when you you think extra par threes, uh, still got the four par fives where you're going to be seeing, you know, maybe 225, 230 yard shots for guys that are going for some of them in two. Um, and you've got some longer par threes, like seems like a course where long iron play might benefit. Yeah, I agree with that. And then uh, my last take is just, I mean, with so many unknowns about the course, um, don't be afraid to get away from the group think. Um, it already seems like a lot of um, everyone's targeting the same narrative in terms of bombers and everyone's you know gravitating towards the same cheap guys. So um, don't be afraid to be a little different this week just with so much unknown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it does tend to, you, you tend to gravitate towards the guys that feel a little bit safer, don't want to miss out on the obvious play. Uh, it's a very weak field, too, so uh, really will be an interesting event as far as how the ownership shakes out, how the course plays. We just don't know a lot of that stuff, and sometimes these are the tournaments uh, that tend to be a little more unpredictable. So um, anything else in general on the course before we start uh, digging into the golfers here? Uh, let's get into it. All right, so I uh, mentioned earlier, John Rahm is like three to one to win this tournament. We don't see that really ever in this day and age of golf. Um, he's $900 more than any other golfer on DraftKings. It's been a long time since we've had that spread. 
Uh, the field is weak. And right now we've got Rahm at 32% ownership. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of people that argue against starting with Rahm in cash game, you know, type of builds. Um, he's the obvious number one play on the board. What, what the heck do we do with Rahm in tournaments and stuff this week? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, you can always go, you know, underweight on a player like Rahm. Uh, I certainly wouldn't fade him completely. I don't think he would be here unless, you know, he had something to prove. we got the Wells Fargo coming up next week. And uh, that's pretty much why most of the, the, the best golfers in the world aren't here. Um, you know, next week's a lot bigger of an event. And Rom hasn't won in 10 months. So I think he's, you know, wants to prove that uh, he is still the best golfer in the world. He's no longer, you know, number one uh, in terms of the official world golf rankings. And with Berger withdrawn, I mean, there's just, he's so much better than anyone else in the 10K range that, for me, I would rather instead of split my ownership up between like, you know, Rom and two other 10K guys, just give me all the Rom above 10K, give me 50% plus in tournaments, and uh, I'll take my chances from there. Yeah, I would agree. I, I just think, I mean, you're going to hear a common refrain for like the next 30 guys is that most of them just feel overpriced because, again, you got to fill in the pricing tiers and the field is very weak. So, yes, get used to, you know, 10K for the current form of Patrick Reed, who's probably not worth 6,500 these days. Um, it's just going to be sticker shock for a lot of these golfers. So I agree, Rom at the top. I think you go significantly overweight, maybe even hit the lock button if you just want to, um, you know, hope he wins and, and build the rest of your lineups from there if you're building multiple lineups. I don't hate that strategy. Not one that I take very often, but I certainly think you can do that this week. So He's clearly the play at the top. Not going to get a lot of argument against that. Um, if you are to pick maybe a second favorite in that 10, so the other golfers in the five figures, Finau, answer Kevin Na and Patrick Reed. Um, and if you look at the stats, like Reed is 120-something in Tita Green in this field over the last six months. Um he just shouldn't be 10K in any field at this point. So I presume, based on the uh, the numbers, that uh, we're both out on Reed. But is there anybody you would consider like a number two in that 10K range? Yeah, perhaps my model is being a little too kind to Reed. He's uh, 22nd for me uh, in this field, so uh, not quite 120th or whatever he said. So uh, I'm not going to play any Reed. Uh, I don't think I'm going to play any Kevin Na. Um, I don't hate him as like an outright bet, but – I don't like that he's just 20 to one. If he was 30 or 40 to one, I think he'd be more interesting. He is a guy that very good with his long irons, but um, historically plays a lot better on shorter courses. I guess you could play the, uh, you know, born in Mexico narrative with Abraham answer, but um, his form's kind of been off. He withdrew from the Valero and then missed a cut at the masters. And then Finau just, he hasn't posted a top 10 since his win back in August. So now I'm just, I'm mixing all these guys. I'm up in my ROM exposure and going from there. Yeah, I think I've got I'll have a little bit of Fino and a little bit of answer in my multi-entry GPP builds. I am Xing out Kevin Na and Patrick Reed, so I'll have exposure to the other three. Uh, certainly you get the home game narrative with answer. People are gonna be talking about that, but um I, I'll sprinkle them in a little bit in tournaments, but definitely the most overweight on ROM for sure. All right. Uh, in the 9K range, again, all these guys are going to feel overpriced, so it's all relative. Um, and you can probably get like one guy in here um, if you're if you're even if you're playing Rom. But uh, Woodland seems to be the chalkiest Woodland and Aaron Wise. 
Uh, you've got Kirk, Tringali, Munoz, Cam Champ, Brennan Todd, Russell Knox, Kevin Streelman, basically your 9K options this week. Uh, a couple guys that stand out in there for you. I don't really understand the price points for Cam Champ and Brendan Todd. I mean, Champ, he shows up at the Masters, and that's pretty much it each year now at this point. So um, I guess he does fit the bomber narrative, but I will let other people chase that. Todd, I just don't know if he has the length uh, to compete here, and uh, his form hasn't been all that great either. So uh, I like Tringali. He's a boomer bust guy. I typically like him more in the 7K range, but um, – he does, you know, tend to play well in these weaker field events, uh, tends to play well on easier courses as well. Um, Chris Kirk's a guy that I play pretty much every week. He's uh, very steady. Uh, and then uh, at the very top, I like Gary Woodland. Um, if you take his miscut out of the Masters, uh, he had three top tens in his last five starts, and he never plays well at Augusta. Um, he's number two in my stat model, so I think he makes a lot of sense. He's got the bomber narrative. He's very good with his long irons, um, like we mentioned so, yeah, I like uh, Woodland, I like Tringali, and I like Kirk um, in, the, in the upper 9K range. Yeah, Kirk is probably my favorite. Um, Tringali, I think, is interesting, but uh, Kirk is the one guy that just doesn't feel overpriced uh, to me, relatively speaking, in this field. I, I guess it's all a matter of your perspective, but... Uh, his data over the last, uh, you know, whether you take two months, three months, four months, uh, pretty solid all around, comparatively speaking, in this field. So Kirk is my favorite in that range as well. Um, I mean, I'm the biggest Woodland guy out there from his nice little run there back in February, March, but 24% for him. I mean, has everybody just boarded the train or what? Yeah, I think so. Uh, a lot of people are betting him too, including myself. Um, so yeah, my plan, I mean, I'm eating the chalk with Rom up top, eating the chalk with Woodland. And then after that, I mean, none of the guys that I like, you know, once we get eight K's and lower, you know, more than 8% owned. So I think you can eat some chalk this week. Um, but certainly, I mean, 24% for Woodland, he is very boomer bust. So, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he missed the cut. So I, I don't, I wouldn't lock him like I would Rom, but I do think he makes sense for the course. Yeah, um, I don't know. That ownership just spooks me a little bit uh, to kind of see where things shake out. But uh, Kirk, definitely the guy I feel the most comfortable with in that range. All right, uh, who you like in the lower part of the 9K range? Uh, I got to get your take on Russell Knox. Um, <laughs> and then Strillman, he just hasn't shown – a lot with his, uh, you know, his approach play is kind of trending in the wrong direction. Um, over the last 18 months, he's like 22nd in stroke gain approach. And then this year he's 66th. Over the last nine months, he's 67th. So I don't love that. Uh, Matt Jones coming off of a good finish. He's a guy that can get hot, but uh, I don't feel great about him at 9K. So I think for the most part, I'm just sticking in that, uh, you know, upper 9Ks. And we did skip over Munoz. I mean, he's been playing really well, T to green. Uh, I do think he's going to be popular. But if you want to play the off the tee angle, um, he's second in this field, strokes gained off the tee, um, second to Rom in, in 2022. Yeah, a guy that uh, tends to somewhat be chalky in these types of tournaments when he's cheaper. But uh, um, at 9,800, I think that will scare some people away. Again, relatively speaking, Doug Gim is $8,900 on DraftKings this week. $8,900 DraftKings dollars for my boy Doug Gim. So, um, I, you know, Knox on these types of courses, if you're going to make it about the ball striking and a second shot golf course, 
uh, it is a the, the fact that it's somewhat of a lengthy course is a little concerning to me um and, and you know people talk about it being in mexico and it's at elevation but it's really not the, the course isn't that much above sea level particularly compared to some of the other ones that you would see in mexico so um i think it'll still play as a reasonably long course by today's standards so that worries me a little bit with Knox, um, but I guess you could make the same argument about Todd, and I tagged up Todd this week. So, look, it, it, we're talking about embracing the unpredictability a little bit. If Todd's only going to be 4%, he hits a lot of fairways and greens. If Knox is only going to be 5%, he hits a lot of fairways and greens. I'll I'll definitely be overweight on those two at, at those ownership percentages. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you find an angle that you like, uh, low ownership, might as well go for it. Anything else in the 9K range uh, for you? Not really, but I do like the 8K range quite a bit. Yeah, the 8K range, I think you're going to see a lot of people, you start with ROM and then you can kind of build it out um, from there and, you know, maybe you're able to get still because, all right, so if I'm going to do like a sample lineup on the fly here. So if I start with ROM at 11.3 and let's just say, you know, we'll talk about the range later, but let's say I just find one cheap guy around like 7,000 and then you're at 7,900 on average for your remaining spot. So you can kind of mix and match guys around that 8K range to fill out your lineup. So you're going to see a lot of ROM lineups that have, you know, two, three, four guys in the 8K range and not a whole lot of chalk in that range. You know, some guys around 8, 10, 11%, but I think this could be the area where uh, lineups are torpedoed and or, you know, contests are won if you pick the right guys in this 8K range. So uh, who are you looking at in there? All right. So up top, uh, I think Tagala is interesting for tournaments. Uh, he's been very hit or miss. The model hasn't loved him, um, but he, they kind of rate him out as a, aren't they? It kind of rates him out as, a, you know, an average value at 8,800. So I'd take that as a positive. You know, he's a bomber. He can put together low rounds, make a lot of birdies. So uh, I'll have some exposure to him. Uh, and then moving down, I like Charles Howell III a lot. Um, he's a guy, I ran some, you know, comps for this course. I just did pass Palm and he's second in this field. on strokes game per round on pass Palm courses. And then he's also third in the field uh, in strokes game on easy courses. So I like that. Um, I like that he just finished uh, fourth at the Valero and his iron play is really improving. Um, if you look at you know, 18 months, 12 months, four months. Uh, it's gotten better over each time period. So love Charles Howe. like that he's only going to be 7%. Uh, I'll go back to Lonto Griffin. Just uh, more of a talent play than anything else. There's not a lot in his form that I could talk about that uh, is encouraging. But uh, most of it's been around the green. And if this course does play easy, if the greens are easy to hit, I don't think uh, Strosskin around the green is going to play a huge uh narrative this week and if it does then you know that's fine i'll chalk it up to a loss and move on because we really don't know how it's going to play but uh, that's kind of the angle that i'm going for he's good off the tee he's good with his irons good putter as well um so i'll get back on him a low ownership and then uh, at the very bottom i like mark hubbard at 8,000. um he always seems to play well in these weaker field events um he lost his pj tour card and i think he's already got enough points to get it back next year on the corn Ferry tour so um, a guy that's not going to take these starts for granted. Um, and I think uh, just some pretty good form. Uh, three top 12s in his last four starts. I'm surprised that he lost his card. It seemed like he would always make a lot of cuts. I, I guess he did go through a tough stretch there 
um, last year for a while, but, uh, and when he, even when he was making a bunch of cuts, there's a lot of finishes in like the forties and fifties, but, um, yeah, it, definitely, uh, one of those players that'll, will give it everything he's got this week, uh, to, to try to enhance that resume moving forward. So I uh, like that call, like the Howell call he's back. Uh, haven't talked about him a ton recently. So, uh, nice to see him maybe getting back on track and, uh, He's 42. I would have pegged him to be a little older than that. It just seems like he's been a he's been playing for a long time, but uh, he's had a nice career. Uh, Ortiz, if you want to play, obviously the home game, the Mexico narrative. I, I don't mind him. He hasn't had a great season so far, but uh, he tends to pop randomly. It seems like a lot. So uh, Ortiz, I don't mind. Aaron Rye, I don't mind. Uh, and I think the Howell call is is pretty good. So Hubbard, I think is pretty safe at 8K. He's probably going to get you a made cut. Uh, if you're looking for a safe kind of mid-range choice in cash games, I, I think Hubbard is solid. Um, don't know about my exposure for GPPs. I don't know the, you know, I question the ceiling just a little bit, but uh, I think he's pretty safe. So I think he'll get you through the cut. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move into the 7K range, uh, 7,500 to 8K. So the first guy that stood out to me, and I, our ownership has to be low on him right now, but like Pat Perez has made five of his last seven cuts. If you're playing the past Palom angle, he always does something on these types of courses. Uh, why is Pat Perez only 7,500 and why is he only 4%? Of? Well, uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, I ran my numbers and he's 12th in this, uh, 12th in this field, which doesn't feel right. But uh, yeah, I mean, he stands out as a great value. I've listened to a few pods already and none of them have mentioned Pat Perez. So maybe that's why, you know, we're, kind of flying under the radar he hasn't shown a ton of upside but maybe um, people are worried about him going and having a few drinks oh, and that's a, <laughs> that's a narrative that might uh, come to fruition there uh, <laughs> but he's used to it i mean he can play he can play hungover i'm sure uh, he's done that a time or two so uh maybe if anything it's the opposite all these young guys will be out there partying and true he's gonna be he's gonna be ready to go with coffee in the morning um <laughs> but kidding aside i mean he had two top tens in February. Um, like you said, he tends to play well on these fastball courses. Anytime you get him near the water, uh, he seems to play well. So uh, love Pat Perez, especially if he's going to be 5%, even if it's 8%. I love Pat Perez. Uh, I think Wyndham Clark's going to be popular, but uh, I like the bombing and putting angle. Uh, you can play that with him. You can play with Patrick Rogers. You can play with uh, a couple other guys in this field. So I'll have some of Wyndham Clark. And then... Uh, yeah, Patrick Rogers right there. Um, and like here, he seems another one of those guys that just seems to play well on these, you know, coastal tracks um, and these weaker fields. So I like him at 7,900 as well. That's an interesting one. I hadn't looked into him super deep yet, but I like that call. Um, projections are going to rate out Stallings pretty well. I've seen a little bit of chatter on social media with Smotherman this week. Uh, and it looks like he's getting a little bit of buzz, which kind of shocked me at 7,800. You got to take on Austin Smotherman, other than the name. I mean, I, I, I remember seeing his name a couple of times on leaderboards, but uh, nothing looks that great in his form. He had a T25. Uh, it's his best finish in his last five starts. The short game looks pretty bad. Um, he does have some good ball striking numbers, so that's probably why he's getting a lot of, uh, a lot of attention because everyone loves uh, the recent ball striking numbers. Yeah. All right, I have to uh, I have to bring something up here. So if you're not a premium subscriber over at Rotor Grinders, we encourage you to 
join check us out roto grinders premium you can get the combo package which uh, includes almost every sport except nascar uh you can get single sport packages but with that you get noto's model breakdown every week and uh and in our lineup hq uh, we show his ratings for the individual golfers and now even the bad golfers you know the the golf most of the golfers in the 7k range you know if they're average they're their rating in Noto's model will be like 45, 48, 50. And so here I see Rafa Cabrera-Bello in this field at 7,400, and his Noto rating is 9, not 49 or 59 or 39. It's just 9, and it's a big old red. So Who is it? Cabrera-Bello. Yeah. The... 9. It's okay. 9. That must be an error. <laughs> So well, he has, I mean, he hasn't done much lately. So well, I, th- I think what happened is he uh, has a different name and it's the name. System. Yeah. It's the, it's the name issue. So I'll have to go fix that. There were, <laughs> there were like five of them this week and I thought I fixed them all. So I'll have to go. Uh, I was it. hoping it was a legit nine and he was just <laughs> 50, that bad. 52.1 should be the. All right. 52.1 in, in the, instead of the nine. Well, fair enough. It's not going to show, it's not going to stick out like a sore thumb. Um, don't, I don't like him this week, but it just stood out to me. All right. Um, we'll get to the lower end of the seven K range. I'm just going to recommend Smalley again. I know he always sucks, so you can ignore it if you want, but if you look at the, you know, 36 rounds, 50 rounds numbers, the ball striking still there. The short game has just been terrible. I'll get sucked in, especially in this field to, you know, maybe that turning around a little bit. So uh, for better or worse, Smalley at 7,400 for me. What else you got in the lower end of the seven Ks? I like Smalley as well. I also like Svensson. Very similar in that uh, one's, well, you know, both KFT graduates uh, with some good form during the swing season. So we're open the, the easier course. Hopefully um, they can feel, you know, right at home. Uh, Smalley's more of the off the tee guys. Svensson more of the uh, approach guys. So maybe if they could combine their skill sets, they would be, you know, perfect. But I like both of them this week. I like uh, Nick Taylor down at 7,100. Doesn't look like he's getting a lot of buzz. The form isn't great, but he's kind of a lot like Pat Perez in that he makes a lot of cuts in some you know much better fields. So I'm fine taking him at 7,100. If you want like a you know, wild play, you can go with Danny Lee. Um, he actually rates out really well on the past following courses um, that we were talking about. So maybe there's something there. I usually like using him more for showdown because he'll shoot you know six under and then three over the next day. And that is pretty much it for me in the lower sevens. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on Svensson. Um, you know, if you it, this is a spot where I think you can you can take some shots on guys that have shown maybe some historical upside. Like Michael Thompson's been a thing in the past. Um, Kitayama has random you know rounds. Bramlett, like these are guys that maybe I can sprinkle in some GPPs, but. Nothing you're going to feel super great about. Um, looks like Duncan and Sig are some of the guys that are going to get a little bit of ownership in there. But, uh, yeah, that's about it for the for the lower end of the 7K range. Um, by the way, did, did you mention when we did the course breakdown about this being a Norman design? Yeah. And so if, you know, the whole Saudi thing would have blown up, like, and 10 of the top, like, what would they have done with this tournament? I guess they're probably contractually obligated. I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, it just seems a little yeah. weird, doesn't it? Yeah, we had one a couple weeks ago, too. I can't remember what course it was, but uh, apparently his name's everywhere, so PJ Tour can't escape him. 
All right. Uh, let's see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm stalling a little bit because we've gotten through this pretty quickly and the field is really bad. So um, 6Ks, anything fun in here? Fun. Uh, I'm not sure that's the word I would go with. but Tolerable? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely some plays. Um, if you want to play the, the accuracy matters, you can go with uh, Ryan Armour. Pair him up with uh, Brian Stewart, very similar golfers. Um, in terms of uh, little cheaper guys from the K- Corn Ferry Tour last year, Hayden Buckley. I mean, he was a lot more expensive than this um, in some of the swing or some of the stronger field events, and he's only 6,800. So I'll take some shots on him. Same with Lee Hodges. Uh, we seen him contend uh, about a month ago. Vince Whaley is a, a name that, you know, We've seen the last couple of years, he's coming off a back-to-back top 30. So I think you can look his way. Roger Sloan, kind of the same thing. But uh, for the most part, I mean, if you can start with Rom and not dip into the sixes, uh, I think you're doing a pretty good job. Uh, I was waiting for uh, yeah, Gregorius the Wise posted about Gim at 8,900. I think even I have to be off of my boy Gim at 8,900 this week. I don't know. That's a <laughs> simple flowchart. Is it the players? No? Okay. <laughs> I think I, and he had also asked about, you know, Smotherman who I mentioned and, and long being so highly owned Smotherman. It's I've seen some buzz on social media long. Uh, I haven't as much. That one might just us be us being a little hot on his ownership. Let's see. Yeah, we got him at 10. Um, I think he'll probably come in a little bit lower than that. So, I know it's a week where it's pretty easy to narrow down your player pool a little bit. It's, you know, easy to X button some guys, but at the same token, like if it's not Rom, if he just falters a little bit this week, it wouldn't surprise me if we had like a long shot winner here, like 150 to one guy winning, this would feel like the tournament where that could happen. Uh, new course, you know, weak field, uh, potentially a lot of birdies, uh, just the unpredictable might, uh, might happen here you just don't know so uh, don't be afraid to, to take some shots either outright bets or or in dfs on some you know lower owned long shots so uh, anybody else that uh, that you kind of like that we haven't mentioned yet well i was uh sorting by the roto grinders projections point per dollar and uh like number two or three in the field uh scotty g so gotta give him a shout out He's going to be ready to go. He's not going to be out partying and he's, you know, he is going to be focused on the task at hand, uh, which is winning the golf tournament. So uh, yeah, hopefully he has a good week and uh, nice to see him. He's gotten in quite a few events. Uh, he's gotten a lot of sponsor invites or I guess it's mainly the weaker field ones. Um, where... What about Scott Brown? He's, he was like the king of the Puerto Rico open back in the day yeah these are the events where he shows up and uh <clears throat> he and kisner they, they played fairly well last week at the uh, zurich so uh and he's probably like one he's probably a one percenter yeah 6400 one to two percent probably yeah i don't mind that as a sprinkle in some tournaments uh, he's shown some upside historically in these types of events these types of courses uh i can definitely see getting on him a little bit at, uh, at that ownership. So um, we don't have anybody else. I don't think uh, popping over like three or 4% under the seven K range. So again, you're going to see a lot of lineups that go with ROM, you know, maybe three guys in the 
8K range and a couple guys in the 7K range to round it out, and then people just won't mess with the uh, the, the punts. So uh, took a peek at the FedEx Cup standings uh, just out of curiosity to uh, see where Scotty G was. So he's 200. Scott Gacheski, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, 202nd in FedEx Cup points. So uh, see, these are the guys that you know. You look at the guys that are like. 175th like cam champ 181st in points and guys that you know as it gets closer to to the playoffs um they're going to want to try to boost their their rankings in these weaker field tournaments so uh but scheffler leading the uh point standings by a larger margin than the sixth place guy has for total points he has a greater margin than the sixth place guy has total points so uh, that's just a synopsis of just how good Scheffler has been uh, this year. Just uh, keeps on getting it done. So not on the field this week. So that means everybody else has a chance. <laughs> Anything else uh, for this tournament uh, that uh, we haven't covered that you want to pass along? I think we're good. Uh, how big is the player pool going to be this week? Uh, 20, maybe 22. Like I, I usually try to limit it to 24 anyways. And that's hard in like the majors, but this type of tournament, you know, I probably won't have trouble getting it down to 20, except it'll be too top heavy. I'll have too many of the high end guys. So we got to try to, we'll have to try to balance that out a little bit, but just skip yeah. the, the whole nines and eights and you'll be fine. <laughs> X them all out, ROM and the ROM and the <laughs> values and mix and match and hope ROM wins. Um, but uh, well, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But pretty easy week to, to narrow it down for sure. All right, uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. A little bit of a shorter show for you this week, but uh, pretty ugly field and a new tournament. So just a little bit of unpredictability. We get back to the uh, normal schedule next week with the Wells Fargo, as Noto mentioned earlier in the show, uh, the AT&T Byron Nelson the week after that. And then we are already at the uh, PGA Championship, uh, which is taking place at Southern Hills in Oklahoma this year, the uh, third full week of May. So, uh, that will be here before we know it, but we'll be back uh, next week to break down the Wells Fargo for you. Should be a really strong field for that with uh, Rory McIlroy as the defending champ of that tournament. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and get out of here. Good luck in all your contests this week, everybody. For Noto and for our producer, Steve, working hard behind the scenes for us. We appreciate his help on a Tuesday night. And thanks to you all for watching either on playback or live on YouTube and hanging out with us in the live stream chat. So have a great week, everybody, and good luck. We'll see you later.